welcome to Health Research Matters, HRM, where we take empirical information and bridge the gap for utilizing it within the practice setting. Today, our topic will be about the difference between the PhD and the DMP, and what will your graduate journey look like? Our inaugural guest for this podcast this afternoon will be the one and only Miss Norma Hillsman, DMP candidate, and also the co-founder of Health Research Matters. She is currently a mother of five children and married to her best friend, Bryce. She enjoys backpacking in the nature, yoga, campfires, sunsets, eating out, reading a really good book, but above all, enjoying a great laugh. And who doesn't enjoy a great laugh? She currently holds two master's degrees, a master's in nurse practitioner and a master's in education, and currently working on her doctorate of nursing practice at the University of Waterbury, Connecticut. Her nursing practice and experience spans across 32 years, with her area of expertise being critical care. Currently, her nurse practitioner experience and expertise is in family practice, and she used to work in rural settings as an administrator and as a nurse practitioner. Her primary area of focus as it stands and over the space of the ten, span of 10 years is in education. She has taught in several colleges across the United States of America and in Canada, teaching LPNs, or as we say, RPNs in Canada, diploma RNs and bachelor and master's in nursing degree students. She has published research in areas of student evaluation, vertical bullying, which is from the bottom up, bottom up, top down, and implementation of pharmacology in nursing education. She's currently working on the research with doctors of British Columbia and University of British Columbia, University of North British Columbia, and Thompson River University, where they're currently studying how they can improve access in access to healthcare in rural settings within the community using primary care teams and primary care nursing. What an impressive CV, Norma. And I'm so excited for you to be our first guest. And I'm so grateful that you took the time today to speak with not only myself, but with our listeners out there in the virtual setting. So uh, first question I have for you is, could you share with the listener out there, what is the difference between the DMP and the PhD? Well, um, first of all, I want to start out by indicating that I started nursing when I was six. Just, uh, you know, I've been you know, nursing. So I started really young, really young. Uh, so, yeah. So interestingly enough, um, it, it's been an interesting journey for me, um, having the privilege of nursing in so many different areas of nursing and in two different countries um, and what is being offered there. Um, right now in Canada, uh, DNP is not something that's an option at a doctoral level in Canada. It's been around for, well, since 1998, I think it was called a doctorate of nursing in the United States. Um, it's only in the last 20 years that we've really seen it being called the doctorate of nursing practice in the United States. Um, interestingly enough, the University of Toronto, just in 2021, January, started its first doctorate of nursing wow. uh, program so we're going to start seeing some changes here in canada which is fantastic and why this um, subject uh, becomes so important um, and also 
it becomes important to you and I. Um, so for those that maybe don't know, uh, Crystal Garvey is um, working on her PhD and I'm working on my DNP. And yet here we are as co-founders of Health Research Matters. And um, I think our relationship uh, from a professional level is a perfect example of where the future of nursing is going to go in the relationship between what a DNP can do and what a PhD can do and what a beautiful, harmonious, synchronous relationship we can have together. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think it's like nurse practitioners and doctors. Yes. We're not there to take each other's positions or places and nor should we yes. be threatened by that, but okay. rather put us together and we created this amazing patient outcomes. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're going to see the same thing with nursing in Canada as we bring in um, a DNPs or DNs so far yeah. and, um, and PhDs. So to give you a little bit of a background, the DNP degree is a practice doctorate, whereas um, the PhD is a research doctorate. So okay. DNP stands for Doctorate of Nursing Practice. Yes. And I think everybody knows what a PhD stands for, so I don't need to go into that. But in both degrees, there are terminal degrees for nursing. Yes. Um, you know, that's kind of a, sort of an, a bit of an endpoint. But research um, or scholarly works are both integral parts of these doctoral degrees. So graduates of PhD programs um, are nurse scientists and they are prepared to develop new knowledge and they conduct independent nursing research um, into practice through um, dissemination of their information. Whereas a DNP, um, they're prepared to be nurse leaders more in the clinical setting, more in the practice settings, which is why it's a practice doctorate. Um, working with the healthcare teams in translating that beautiful um, new nursing research that our, our amazing nurse scientists create and help to bridge what's called um, the nursing or what's called the research gap. I think in a study by Funk back in 1991, they identified there was a gap between yes. nursing research and the front lines. I and totally Yes. Wrap and bring it together, right? Yes. yes. So here we are now, 30 years later, and that gap is now a gap. bigger. It's Absolutely. gotten bigger. It, it has, has. right? Absolutely. And so so somewhere in there, we've got to figure out a way to overcome these barriers that have gotten in the way of bringing research and new knowledge and better practice and better ways of doing things and putting it into practice on the front lines and helping to modify it to the various settings where it can be utilized. And that's where DNPs come in, is DNPs then take this amazing research, bring it to the front lines and say, okay, let's work with this. How can we modify healthcare systems and the policies that are there? Yes, um, yes. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting um, that only actually in Canada, less than 1% of all nurses have their doctorate. And in the United States, um, back in 2010, the um, IOM, um, which is the basically, um, I'm trying to remember what it stands for, the Institute of Medicine. There it is. I knew it was somewhere rattling around. The <laughs> it's there, it's there. Medicine mandated that by the year 2020, 
nurses needed to double the number of doctorate level nurses. Yes. Meaning nurse leaders, nurse educators, nurse executives, nurse um, ed professionals, uh, nurse entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely. Uh, informatics, that kind of stuff. Well, interestingly enough, um, they, the United States succeeded in meeting that goal. However, the little tidbit was, is when you look at the statistics of PhDs, their numbers did not increase very much over the 10 year period. Interesting, that is very interesting. The only reason that they were able to meet that doubling the doctorate level was because of the introduction of more DNP programs and graduates. As a matter of fact, in the year 2019, it was on 8,000 to 800. Wow. That's a, that's a 10 to one ratio of DNP to PhDs. Yes. Um, which to me speaks very loudly of what nurses are asking for or might be important for our current nurse leaders to yes. in Canada to maybe examine where we're at if we're to accomplish the same goal. And yeah, that's interesting because I was just thinking in my head, like America has definitely adapted. They've mastered, you know, they're, they're able to now get the DMPs on board and they are bridging that gap between the PhD and, and, and evidence-based process in America, where in Canada, well, except for UFT and, and, and again, of recent months deciding, Hey, we need this, we need to bridge the gap here. Why is it you think there's so much resistance between the DMP and the PhD, especially in, in the Canadian pedagogical setting? Um, I think sometimes it's maybe, um, well, there can be multiple reasons. Sometimes I think as, as is human nature, sometimes we fear what we don't know and, and don't understand. Um, I think sometimes we might be a little bit of afraid of a, where our position might be and what our role might be and how that might be compromised. Yeah. Um, as humans, we, we don't like change very much, um, especially my 17-year-old hates change. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I, I think, again, if, if we can focus not on what we have as a difference, but rather what we have in common. Absolutely. And, and what those ultimate goals are supposed to be, we really can create some amazing outcomes and uh, and working together in what it is that is our our goals um, as nurses and, and as as nurse leaders. And wow. uh, so, so being so being the anomaly then, and just and as we continue to build on the school of thought, you're in Canada, the PhD is the norm, and now you want to be the anomaly and do the DMP. What was that journey like, and why did you choose to do it? Why well, you know, interesting. interestingly enough, you know, right now we have, so I guess, let me jump back just a little second there. Right now in Canada, with only PhDs being available and less than 1% of our population, they are trying to not only be our policymakers, our researchers, our educators, but they are trying to do the role of also implementing the research onto the front lines. Yes. And, and that makes our, our amazing nurse scientists who need to be focused on research and spreading them very thin. And, and so we're, we're getting, you know, this a lot of holes in our, our net, so to speak. You know, they're, they're getting a lot of tears there. We're spreading too thin, I think. Um, and, and so I think many hands make a heavy load light. Yes. And um, right now, our PhDs are carrying a really heavy load. 
and there needs to be more hands and uh, we need to increase the number of PhDs. And that's where my journey comes in is I was, um, you know, it's been 25 years since I was a student, five kids, you know, <laughs> life has a way of throwing things at you and, you know, you try to dodge them, but sometimes you take them right to the head. Yes. And, uh, so I got five sledgehammers to the head. Um, God has been very good about humbling me and knocking to my knocking me to my knees. But uh, you know, a few months back, my brother sent me a text, and it's interesting how sometimes inspiration comes from the Absolutely. weirdest of places. Absolutely, I can I totally testify to that. Yeah, and so uh, and so he he was just talking about the importance of knowledge, and all of a sudden, I just knew I felt this kind of thump as I call it a thunderclap to my chest of just, it was time for me to go back to school. Now I was terrified. I'm like, what? APA what? Like, I think we were at APA three. And I, I laughingly told somebody about back in the days when I was a student, you had to actually use microfiche and index cards. You had to go find the journal, flip to the page number, pay 10 cents a page and photocopy for all your articles, right? Like there was nothing online. Isn't that funny? So I'm really dating myself. So I decided to pursue it. I was excited um, where I'm currently working offers um, educational opportunities for its full-time faculty. We have a brand new nursing practice, um, PhD in nursing available. Um, we have uh, these amazing uh, PhD nurse scientists that I was very excited to support and really, um, thought this was kind of a shoe in. This was this was me going to support our School of Nursing. I was gonna be a student and do my PhD. And so, you know, like any person who's starting a new journal, you start our journey, you start your gathering your information, your packing list, shall we say. And um, and so I started interviewing people, asking questions, what do I need? What would you advise? And uh I thought it would be this amazing, exciting, supportive process. And instead, I was told that I would have to have grant money just to get started and that I would have to maintain grant money all the way through. But I, how do you have grant money when you don't even have a research to do? Um, I was told I was too old. I was told that maybe an EDD might be a better oh my goodness. A PhD in nursing. but. I'm a nurse and I am darn proud of being a nurse and I wanted a PhD in nursing, not an EDD. Um, I was told that I would need to go back and get a third master's degree because I didn't have any research background. Um, and uh, in addition to that, I was told that I might have to even consider looking at another city to live in for a period of time while I was trying to go to school, maybe somewhere else. So, um, you know, I, I was told I had too much experience. Um, so I'm going to tell you the, the tears were real. By the time I finished those interviews, I felt very crushed and um, I felt I guess a, a good, I crushed is kind of a good way. Like it was like, okay, God, if you're inspiring me and this is what I'm supposed to do and nothing is working out, all the doors are shutting in my face. Every option that I tried to 
focus on a solution instead of the problem. That's why I tell my kids, don't focus on the problem, focus on the solution. Yes. Um, yes. I, I wasn't seeing anything. There was like everything I was trying, it was just shutting. And uh, one day as I was kneeling in prayer, asking for direction, all of a sudden came to my mind, what have you always wanted? And yeah. uh, when I first did my nurse practicioning back in the early 1990s, um, I, I <laughs> again, I'm dating myself. And uh, I wanted to, to do my DNP. I wanted to go straight through and get my DNP. And um, all of a sudden I knew that was the direction I was supposed to go. And so I thought, okay, well, so I put in my application and Crystal, in 10 days, and that includes weekends, I was accepted to three universities in the wow. United States. Wow. And so it was a nice reminder that for every door that shuts, a window opens. Um, and I, I really, um, I feel that there's a purpose to that. You know, I found myself thinking, well, and, and even after I got accepted, I was, mm, how can I say, I wouldn't say challenged, but I was maybe questioned as to, was I choosing the right direction because DNPs are not yet officially recognized in Canada, right? And, and that I would not get the same academic benefits as if I had a PhD. Wow. And um, so I thought, well, I wanted to do it. So why am I doing, you know, like, why am I doing this DNP? And I realized, um, first of all, I wanted my daughters to know that you can have a career, you can have a beautiful family, you can have an amazing relationship, and you can still pursue your dreams. I wanted to, I wanted that self-confidence that comes when you fulfill a dream that's been sitting there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I needed to know that I'd started a dream 25 years ago, and I wanted to finish it, even if it was just a bucket list, um, because I was told that it would not benefit me um, career-wise, um, where I'm currently working. So yes. it really was kind of a journey of, well, then why are you doing it, right? And no yes. longer is it a free education. Um, now I'm going to add 30% because uh, right now with the exchange rate, uh, you know, I'm adding 30% to my tuition even. And um, But I'm going to tell you, as you well know, Crystal, I've, you know, Crystal and I have talked about this. It's been okay. an amazing journey. Um, how we met uh, I'm just going to share a little background. It was at a conference. Um, we had our pictures up. And I, I thought to myself, wow, she's beautiful. And so I sent this little chat saying, you're beautiful. And she sends back the chat saying, I was just thinking the same thing. And, uh, <laughs> and so I know it's kind of funny. Like, obviously, we were not paying attention yeah, to the speaker. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I wish we paid more attention to the speaker. But, um, yeah. you know, and within a very short period of time, we created this connection together and a goal and an aspiration to make the nursing profession better. We realized there was this chasm that I talked about a few minutes ago that needed to be bridged. And there's so many reasons why it has now become this chasm, it, you know, from, you know, perspectives and perceptions of nursing researchers and nursing research to, um, Gosh, uh, time limitations, attention issues, interest. Um, uh, the, how about the research language? As I'm starting into my and working on my DNP, you know, I, I've, I've read some of these research articles, and some of them are really interesting. And others, I'm like, I have no idea what they're trying to about. 
Like, how good are close? What are you talking about? It's a different language. Yeah, absolutely. Nurses who have never participated in a master's or research to somehow understand that research language. So, you know, there's lots of barriers as to why um, evidence-based practice or evidence-informed practice is not getting to the front lines. And um, you and I identified through our, our, our common goal was to help bridge that gap and, um, and taking into account generational learning modalities that, you know, like I said to somebody, when was the last time you sat and read a nursing research article? Oh, come on. Assuming you're not in school. I think they're exactly. the only <laughs> No, it's, it's not happening. It's not yeah. happening. The times have changed, right? And, you know, the front, you said so many key things. And so tune into our next podcast because some of the topic areas kind of, you know, you got a little sneak peek or preview, um, you know, with regards to like those, you know, the learning modalities of, you know, our, 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 current, our current generation. They're, they're not going to be picking up a, a journal. Uh, you know, and then think about subscriptions and think of all these other things. But I want to circle back to one thing that I, I, I think the listeners will have interest in is that you spoke about your experience on ageism. So there are some definite okay. uh, candidates that, you know, have interest in doing graduate studies and they've always had it in the back of your mind, their mind, probably. I'm too old. I'm going to retire soon anyway. Like, what is the point? And here you are literally being told to your face and my mouth dropped as you said it was, you're too old, go do another master's or go do your doctorate education. Like, like how, well, if you have to give anybody advice that is experiencing some of those doors being slammed in their face bluntly, to say the least, what would you say? Because I just find it so inspirational that you were able just to bounce back and not find a hole and crawl in it and say, forget it. I'm not going to do this dream because someone says I'm not good enough. Like, like what would you say to that person out there that's considering doing this journey or was or, or, or started the journey and they got, you know, slammed on like how you've been slammed on. Yeah. You know, I think in life, as with all things that I've gone through in my life, you, you have a choice. You can be bitter or you can be better. And um, I like I like to call it the oh yeah factor, which is when someone says oh you're not going to do that or you can't do that, and you think oh yeah, watch me. And oh. and so we call it the oh yeah factor. And um, and so it was it was persevering through the negative and yeah. focusing on the positive again like i said before i don't focus on the problems i focus on the solutions and, yeah. and what are my options you know you change the things that you can change and the things you can't change well then you have to change your attitude yeah. and um i remember when code blues used to terrify me and and now somebody says code blue and i'm like okay here we go again right so yeah. what's the difference how did that you know i changed my attitude towards it and um so I, I think that was a, a big one. But I, I think it's also a reminder that when you're in an academic world, they want a lot of very young intellectual nurses coming straight from their bachelor's degree and maybe even skipping over their master's and going right into a combined master's PhD or a PhD program. They want these nurse scientists from right, right from the get-go, um, which is interesting because that was part of my struggle was, you know, you get your bachelor's degree, go get some education. 
And then you get out there and you're like, oh, I need I need more education. So, you know, or sorry, more uh, experience. So yeah. then I come back, I get my master's, I get more education. They say to me, go get experience, right? Most of us get our master's because we want to be managers or executives or nurse practitioners or something that puts us into a leadership position. And, uh, and so when you come back to get your PhD and then you get told you've got too much experience and not enough research experience, it's, it's a bit of an ouch. And they are looking for pro people that already have developed research programs to hire into these academic environments. Well, when you've got somebody my age that doesn't have that research background, I don't have a program. I don't, you know, it wasn't even something for me to consider. But um, interestingly enough, in my DNP program, amongst my classmates, we all have 20 plus years of experience. Um, most of us have children. Um, some of us have grown children. One of them has a one-year-old. Um, we're all experienced. We're all kind of on a similar, we've got families, we've got lights, we've got experiences. We can't just uproot everything and everybody and move wherever we want to go. And, um, and so it's a different um, approach that I think um, many of the Canadian nursing educational leaders need to address is, um, you know, if, if I was 25 again and it was just me, I could move to another city, go to school, no problem. But, you know, when you have a husband and children, they don't want to leave their schools. Um, you know, your spouse or partner or significant other isn't going to leave their job. And, um, and so accessibility to education becomes a bit of a challenge as well. And, um, and so, yeah, so most of us are older. We've got lots of experience in the DNP program and, um, and they were smart. They addressed that many of us can't uproot and move. And so it's online. So that's kind of a nice, a nice feature in helping again, how do you bridge that gap? How do we get more nurse scientists, more nurse uh, educators or DNPs and, and things like that out there. So amazing. Thank you for that. So I, I, that's, that's quite inspirational. So thank you for that. The last question I'm going to ask before, yeah. uh, um, we end our interview is, can you just give us your lens of why you're so passionate about research? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's another podcast within itself. I know. We're going to narrow this down. Very good. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that um, I, I'm passionate about research, but I, I think in, in all the PhDs that I've come into contact with, a lot of them think that the only reason that they're doing their PhD is, and that the only place they can go is into research in academia. Yes. But I want to say that that's not the case. Here, you and I are starting our own business in research, right? Um, there's lots of opportunities for government levels, educational opportunities, private foundations where we can implement research, research teams, starting your own business uh, in research. There's, there's lots of opportunities for PhD nurses out there that are not just research at an academic institution. Um, really, sky's the limit. Um, and so with that comes a passion because I understand the importance of research in making for a better world, a better healthcare system, better healthcare deliveries, better patient outcomes, better patient safeties, better nursing environments. Yes, yes. I know so many of my peers are overworked, they're burnt out, they're stressed, they struggle with, with you know, policies that 
they can't meet. We teach them how to be compassionate, caring, kind, considerate listeners for their patients, but they don't have time to do that. How yes. can we make that world better for them? Yeah. Yes. Right? And exactly. this is where research comes in. If, if we can help to maybe educate them a little bit more, help them to find ways to make their environment a better place yes. to work. Absolutely. It, it wouldn't that be wonderful if we can, you know, I've gone from working with patients and wanting to make their world better to now as a nurse leader, I want to work with the nurses. I want to help them to be better. I want to make their environment better. And yes. uh, I want to empower them in whatever way I can. And if that's meaning that I can somehow bring that research to them and make it accessible in their hand, in something quick and easy, a quick little attention getter, in a beautiful little package, uh, in, a, in an easy access, you yeah. know, so be it. So that's my passion is I wanna make the nursing profession better now, because I think that'll have a trickle effect to our families, to our communities, and to the world in general. I agree. I, I, I applaud you on that because I, it was poetically said. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for that. Uh, final thoughts. So we're about, we're closing down on our podcast. And I just want to say thank you to the listeners. But the one tidbit that is always critical, and you did touch on it a little bit, is that if you have any advice for any potential master's student, DMP student, PhD student out there, what would be that one timbit advice that you'd love to share um, as they're about to start their journey or they're considering to start the journey? Well, of course, you'll hear people say, oh, you need to be very organized. You need to, you know, how about your calendars? You need to, you know what, I'm going to push that aside. You need to believe in yourself. You need to know that within you yeah. is the potential for greatness, creation, yeah. amazing things. You need to know where does God want your life to go? There's something great that you are to do or you would not have gotten this far even in your life. And so with that opportunity for growth and creation, don't let other people's fears and insecurities decide what your path and your journey is going to be. When they tell you it can't happen, remember that oh yeah factor. Remember that for every adversity that you face, you could be bitter or you can be better. And I would advise that you aim for better. And uh, just remember that the happiest of people don't have the best of everything. They make the best of everything. So persevere. Are tears going to happen? Yeah, they probably will. <laughs> they will. They will. Yeah, they will. But you know what? Anything that you work really hard at are the things that you value the most. Absolutely. And so if your PhD or your DNP or your master's or whatever you're working on, for it to truly mean something to you, you're going to put it, you're going to put the effort in. Absolutely. And so that doesn't mean that it's not, just because in the moment you're having struggles, it doesn't mean that you're failing. It just means that, that there's struggles that you have to work through, but never lose sight of that end goal. So is that, uh, so that would be my closing statement. Oh, that was, I'm going to say epic. Uh, I was saying to myself was hashtag, 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 don't be bitter, be better. Oh my goodness. Like, let's put that on a bumper sticker. I don't think bumper stickers are in anymore. Everybody does hashtag. So hashtag is what I'm going to say on, on that note. 
And I just want to say thank you again for being our inaugural guest. This was an exciting conversation. It was so insightful. I learned a lot about the difference between the DMP and the PhD because I didn't really know until we started having these conversations because I remember saying, I don't know the difference. What is the difference? And why is it not popular in Canada? And then you just, you know, brought it all together. So thank you for that. And, you know, again, thank you for listening to Health Research Matters, where we take empirical information and bridge the gap between utilization and within the practice setting. If you are a researcher or an up-and-coming researcher and you have interest in being on our show, please feel free to reach out to us at info at healthresearchmatters.com. Again, it's info, I-N-F-O, at healthresearchmatters, with an S, dot com. And we look forward to hearing from you. And take care, be safe, and until the next time we meet again. Bye for now.